Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. I hope you're all well. I hope you're all fighting fit. I hope you can see the uh, light at the end of the tunnel growing that little bit lighter. Um, it's very nice to be back with you. Uh, on Ask the Expert, it's an award-winning daily series from 8.30 until 9 o'clock every morning to help small businesses. And hopefully, during the course of what's been a pretty turbulent 12 months, there have been really useful points that you've been able to take from the seminars that have been taking place uh, through Ask the Expert. Um, my name is Alex Payne. Um, I'm going to introduce you to my business, The Room, in just a moment or two. But just to let you know, if you've got any questions, um, please feel free to ask those in the comments section of the live feed. We'll get to those in about 10 minutes' time. And if you are looking for any more advice, uh, you're able to join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Uh, there are accountants and business experts in there and on hand 24-7, which hopefully will be uh, pretty reassuring as we all make our way through what is just an extraordinary period to be a small business owner. During the live session, we're going to be running a poll. Please do engage with that, and we'll pick up on the results a little bit later on. Um, but it's very nice to have half an hour with you, just to tell you a little bit about what we've been doing uh, at The Room. Um, I think this is the third time I've been on, actually. So um, just as a, a quick recap, we describe ourselves as a cross between Tinder and LinkedIn, and we matchmake brands with celebrities, influencers, content creators, etc. Um, the unique thing about our proposition, the reason we use that, that analogy of Tinder and LinkedIn, is that there's no money changing hands. It's all about value in kind exchanges. And it's all about connecting over brand love, essentially. So it's brands able to say, this is what we're doing. We'd love to hear from people to whom that is interesting and who are able to tell a our story in their own words in, in interesting channels. So it's all about this, this value exchange. Brands create opportunities, products, campaigns, experiences, etc., and they are able to uh, post those to a browse wall in the room and interesting people ranging from actors, actresses, models, musicians, tastemakers, chefs, explorers, content creators, as I mentioned, are able to bid on those opportunities and say, I love what it is you're doing. I need what it is you're offering. I'm really interested to try what it is that you do. Um, and because I'm interested and I love it and I want to be a part of it, I'm happy to talk about it authentically in my own tone of voice and on my own channels. So we like to think that we're a sort of an amplification to everything that people will know and sometimes perhaps question in that influencer marketing space. But um, hopefully um, <clears throat> it's something that we're, is going to be more and more prevalent as we come out of COVID. There have been some really interesting statistics, actually, of emerging. I think um, 12 million people volunteered for the first time during the last 12 months, which is just a really heartwarming story. There's so much uh, negativity around at the moment, but it's really lovely to hear that people are using the challenges as an opportunity uh, to try something and to put something back into the community. And I think I read somewhere as well that Pick Up Litter at Britain has had a 30% um, increase in applications and interest and, and website traffic. So people getting out and about and keen to put something back into communities and society and that's that's really heartwarming it's something that we're very passionate about at the room um and i'll come on to that in just a moment or two so um i think as i said this is the third time i've been invited on to to ask the expert and it's really nice to be able to come back and, and update on what has been a really exciting 12 months for us um we went into covid sort of slightly in a braced position i think we were about 10 in the business at that point um, and our simple objective at that point was, was to get to the other side. All we wanted to do was stay alive as a business and make sure that when the world started turning again, and I think we were looking at about three to six months at that point, that we were still there, we were still trading, um, and we were still you know, moving forwards as a business. 
What's actually happened over the last sort of 12 months is that we've moved from a sort of survival mentality into let's use this to the very, very best of our ability to make sure that we come out of COVID as a far stronger business and a much more relevant proposition um, and a much more sort of equipped business to really hit a period of what we think will be a very exciting uh, opportunity for growth. So I was going to quickly just take a couple of minutes to sort of explain some of the things that we've been doing in the last six months um, as we've moved that mentality from survival into to thriving. Um, very quickly, we've actually rebranded. So I think the last time I did this, we were actually known as the Influence Room. And we've got rid of the word influence from our title. And the reason for that is twofold. One is that we have a much broader proposition now. So we're building technology, proprietary tech, which not only connects brands with celebrities, influencers, and members, et cetera, but we can now connect brands with other brands. We are able to connect um, influencers back to brands as well. So if somebody is doing something interesting, we can help them find partners uh, at that point. Um, and we're really keen to plug in charities and causes um, to enable them to find people who will amplify their good work because of that passion point that I've mentioned. So we've rebranded the business. We've plugged in all sorts of new tech. Um, we have a much deeper data uh, analysis tool within the in the uh, the platform now. We now capture and evaluate the content that our members create, which has been um, hugely well received by our members. Um, I mentioned the fact that we're now doing brand partnerships uh, as as well, and we have a, a sort of a member vetting tool as well, which enables our clients to use us to perhaps offer a little more research on the people that they might consider working with. Um, it's also very quickly just worth touching on the fact that I think the word influencer has, has probably taken a bit of a battering, uh, particularly over the last three or four months. And that's why we've sort of slightly moved away from that. And we're, we, we talk about the room as being the home of brand love. And we challenge our clients and our potential um, new members to try and answer the question, can you afford to ignore the people who love you? Um, and we believe that as a brand, you have to have the confidence and the bravery in some ways to connect with the people that love you and to allow them to tell uh, you in their story in that authentic tone of voice. And the people who love you can be anything from content creators who want to talk about you because, you know, they create great imagery or, or mood videos, etc. They can be fans, customers, um, you know, they can be the people who will take your product and live it, love it, and, and talk about it. So that is our challenge now to people. Can you afford to ignore the people who love you? And if you can't, then we think the room is the place to kind of come and find people who will connect with you, pull you over that love. So that's been quite an interesting exercise for us. And I think it puts us on a much more robust footing um, as we begin to emerge and as the lights begin to go green again. Just a very sort of quick update on the sort of the day-to-day -day in the business. We've done a lot of hiring. Um, in fact, that's probably the wrong way around. What I would say is we've actually been doing fundraising. I've done a significant amount of fundraising in the last six months, which has been unbelievably challenging, but also hugely rewarding. Um, I think there are easier climates in which to go and look for money than the worst financial crisis in 300 years. But we've managed to do what we needed to do and more, which is very reassuring. Uh, we've got our first fund on board. Um, we took in uh, a significant amount of money through a convertible loan note. Um, I've learned more about fundraising in the last six months than at any point in my entire life. Um, so not only have we opened the convertible uh, loan note, but we've also had it matched through um, the government's future fund, which has been another very interesting learning experience. Um, and that money has enabled us to, as I said, go out into the market. And I, I think there's some very, very talented people out there at the moment who, through no fault of their own, are perhaps looking at, at new opportunities. And we've managed to recruit some really stellar talent. 
into our business. We um, actually were talking to Steve, our growth director, for, for about 18 months before he joined us, but he's come in from Treatwell and Oyo. We've got a marketing director, Angela, who's come in from Microsoft, et cetera. We've had new members joining our sales and our customer success team, which has been hugely uh, exciting uh, to see the progress that they're all making the impact that they're having in the business as well. Uh, we're building out our dev team. Um, and I very quickly wanted to mention Isla as well, who's been our, our most recent recruit and who's been an absolute superstar in just helping us build our team culture um, and just is absolutely across everything in the business, which particularly when we're all working remotely, um, has been hugely helpful and hugely inspiring. Um, so we're really thrilled to have Isla on board as well. Um, I've touched on the fundraising. Um, and I, I think really what's very exciting for us is that we have used almost this, this period of calm to be able to get ourselves into a very, very good position now, ready to scale um, and ready to welcome not only people looking to work with celebrity and talent, but also people looking for brand partnerships, charities, causes, et cetera, uh, into, that, into what we call the room um, and to enable them to work with the people who love them. And we think that there, there is a really exciting uh, sort of opportunity as, as the world gets going again. And I hope that you and your businesses are all seeing that positivity um, flooding back into the areas that you're all working as well. So it has been an extraordinary learning experience. I'm incredibly proud, actually, of, of our team. We've, we've had some big challenges and we've asked them to make sacrifices themselves. We, I think, um, I'm not sure whether I touched on this last time, but we asked them to take a 20% a, a sort of reduction in working hours during the, the most bumpy period, which everybody was very willing to do. We had a, a real team mentality. Um, we're now back full steam. Um, and it's it's really exciting to see um, not only that we've negotiated this incredibly difficult period, but also that we are in a very good position to kick on. Huge learnings and great challenges, as I'm sure all of you have felt as well. Um, and I keep reminding my business partner, Tanya, in the most turbulent of times, um, that this is the fun bit. And, you know, this is why we all start small businesses, is to experience the roller coaster, to hold on tight and to hopefully emerge um, gleaming into the sunshine with with positivity and, and big impact um, being made by what it is that we all do. So it has been a lot of fun. It's been very challenging, but I'm very, very proud of, of where we sit <clears throat> right now. Hopefully, um, you know, the afterburners are about to be turned on. So hopefully that brings you up to speed in, in what we've been doing in the business. And thank you for your questions. I'll sort of dip into a few of those uh, as we go. Dev from Instagram. Um, is the first of them. Thank you very much indeed for your question. Which type of businesses or industries do you think of underutilized influencers? That's a very good question. Um, which are underutilized influencers? Uh, I'd be fascinated to know if you've got any views on that. I think there are some very obvious candidates for where influencers work extremely well. And actually, what I would say is that we've actually pivoted our business throughout. Uh, COVID. So we were very event-based um, going into the lockdown period, um, lots of tickets to events, lots of VIP experiences, etc. Um, and obviously, we've pivoted our business very quickly to, to much more of that stay-at-home economy. So it's now uh, home exercise equipment, it's home cooking, it's things you can do as a family, etc. So that's been a very useful learning for us. I think one area that probably has underutilized influences would probably be the financial services industry. It's not terribly glamorous. It's not very easy to create amazing content that sits on a glamorous grid post, um, but it is something that I think everybody uses. So um, I think there's, a, there's an opportunity there for 
financial services to you have to be quite clever i think about how you utilize influencers and i think um we have actually some financial service clients who use the platform and they use us for everything from finding people who need help with investing in ISAs, um, perhaps looking at um, family insurance, et cetera, all the way through to sweating their sponsorship assets. So one of our clients has uh, a big sponsorship play in cricket and they will find people who love cricket and invite them to uh, a day at the, the test match or whatever it is. Um, and then they can talk to those people about what it is that they do in the nuts and bolts. But the theme of the day is, is cricket. Um, so I think that would probably be the answer that I, I would give. Financial services, it, it's not hugely sexy. It is something that we all use. Um, and I think the financial services can be very clever in how they find people to talk about um, what it is they do and the necessity of life insurance, making sure you've got a will, um, you know, business, small business banking, et cetera. So I think that's probably one area that's, um, that probably could do more. Chanel from Facebook Messenger, thank you for your question. Good morning, Alex. How to communicate with influencers? Any tips to make sure we're able to build long-term relationships rather than just the transactional interactions during campaigns? Another very good question. Um, we're actually, one of the things that we're developing on our platform is, let's call it an Uber racing for influencers. And it goes beyond just that transactional nature of I'm going to pay you to post content. Obviously, no one on the room gets paid to post. It's all about connecting over the things you love, as we say. But we want to create a community where our, our people of influence and our members are, are much more than just a resource to post an advert through. What we want them to be is offering feedback and driving trial and word of mouth and attending events. So we're all about helping our members, not just transact with an influencer, but build a community, build a tribe, as it were, of influential people who love that brand and are happy to feed into the story and the journey that that brand is is on i think in terms of how to communicate with them i think you you need a uh, a dialogue of sorts and that normally needs to include the value in kind proposition so we have i suppose an example a good example would be something like now tv who use us to find people who love football or they love home entertainment or whatever it is and the connection is made over an ongoing um, sort of uh, contra deal, which is we'll offer you the football. We're really happy for you to talk about it whenever you know you're watching the football, whatever it is. But please include now TV, etc. But it enables you to perhaps find out who that person supports, and therefore to elevate that relationship to match tickets or whatever it might be. It's a very sort of skinny example, but I think the more you can feed into an influencer and, and feed into their love of your brand, the greater the dialogue will be. And I think that's where it will benefit both sides um, most effectively is when the brand is able to cultivate that relationship through access, whatever it is, you know, to, to opportunities, um, rather than just that sort of, I suppose, that transactional nature of I'm going to pay you X, please deliver me Y. And that's the end of the conversation. We're all about building brand advocates uh, for our clients. We want to be able to build a community where you can release discount codes or drive trial before it gets released to, to, to the wider community. Um, so yes, consider how you can use these people to greater benefit than just uh, a grid post, I think would be my my, my response, Chanel. Samia from Instagram, um, thank you for your question. Hi Alex, I have a Shopify store and the platform provides an option to create affiliate programs for influencers. Do you have any advice on how I should think about building and finding the right influencers for that? Um, 
again, there's some brilliant, brilliant tools uh, and agencies out there who will help you find based on data or based on um, audience, et cetera, you know, people who can deliver a really good sort of return for you, to me, is what I would say. So you, you can find tools that, that, that will get you to the right people. Um, our counterpoint to that is that as soon as you approach them and say, look, you know, I'm looking to create affiliate deals, et cetera, the power is in their hands. And so that enables them to say, great, let's do it, but here's my fee. Or, yes, I'll do it, but I'm only doing it for, for um, you know, commercial gain, as it were. What that, what that direction of approach, I would say, doesn't give you is whether that person is actually genuinely interested in what it is that you do. Um, you know, are they in it because they love what you offer or are they in it for, for, for ulterior motives? The, the difference about the room is that instead of you doing the outreach and the approach, you list what it is you do, you stipulate what it is you're looking for, and the people who love it based on your terms say, that is right up my street, I'm really keen to be a part of it. I think there's a very useful and a very um, good opportunity to run a bit of both. I would, I would try finding people who absolutely tick, um, you know, the criteria that you need in order to get um, real success into to, to your opportunity. But I think there's a real, uh, you know, I, I, I go back to our original challenge question, really, which is, can you afford to ignore the people who love you? Um, and I think there's a real, uh, there's a real benefit in partnering with people who talk about you out of passion. Um, affiliate programs for influencers is an interesting topic. Some work very, very well, lots don't. Um, and I think there is an element of trial and error in terms of how you work out and how you make sure that you're delivering the best. Um, but I think, yeah, in terms of how to build and find the right influencers, a little bit of trial and error. See if you can um, identify the people that you really like. Um, and there are tools enable, to enable you to do that. But also using a service like The Room enables you to find people who want to work with you based on your criteria. So it's that push and pull mechanic, um, which hopefully is, is going to give you the best of both worlds. Hopefully that's helpful. Emily from Twitter. Hi, Alex. What have you learned from running a business that you wish you knew from the beginning? Crikey, Moses. I think we've only got half an hour. Um, what do I wish I knew now? Um, I tell you what. I tell you what. It is interesting. Is that I, I've been on a bit of a journey with. It. So I, I, I constantly remind myself. I mentioned this earlier. That, that you got to find the fun in it. it. It can be all consuming. It can be totally draining. You know, people talk about sleepless nights, and that is a real thing. But it's hugely rewarding as well. We've grown our business in the last three or four months from fifteen to thirty people, and. You know, I get on our Monday morning Zoom calls and there are loads of enthusiastic, incredibly talented, really passionate people who have joined our business and are making a real difference. That's hugely kind of inspiring, um, you know, when, when I consider that it was four years ago that we started out doodling on the back of a fag packet. I think I, the thing I wish I knew at the start was that it is an absolute roller coaster. And it's, I think what I was trying to say is that the thing that, that probably I look back on now is that it is a roller coaster that starts and it's very, very difficult to get off. Um, and so I think the answer to your question is you start with a great idea and it's really good fun and it picks up a bit of traction and you're pushing it and you're pushing it and you're pushing it and then suddenly it takes off and you jump in and then it's very difficult to stop. So I think you've got to know what you're getting into. Um, it's a lot of very, very hard work. 
but it's a lot of fun as well. So it's just that turbulent nature, I think, is what I wish I'd known at the start. That's the fun bit, as we say. Uh, Fitz from Instagram, what's your secret? How do you manage to run a business and be involved in so many other things simultaneously? A good man or, or good lady, I should say, Fitz. Um, I love the Good Bad Rugby podcast, by the way. Um, so I do, my, my background, very briefly, is in sports broadcasting. Um, I have a, a shambolic podcast, which extraordinarily was on BBC News this morning because I do it with James Haskell and Mike Tindall. Mike Tindall announced that he's had a baby boy over the weekend. So the BBC have been running out this morning. Um, how do I manage to fit it all in? I That's a very good question. I don't really know the answer. There is a lot of work in my life. I'm actually looking for a life coach at the moment because I I definitely find myself um, pedal to the metal perhaps more than I should. My wife gets very cross with me that uh, I sit down to dinner with the kids at seven o'clock or whatever it is and then there's an hour of fighting with them to get them into bed and then at eight, eight o'clock I'm back on my laptop tip-tapping away as we watch Line of Duty or whatever it is. So I definitely don't have that balance right. There's a very sort of transparent and open and honest answer for you. Um, but I love it as well. I'm 40 years old. I, I just love the fact at the moment that I've got some some fingers and some pies and, and, and some really good fun things happening. So I do find that quite addictive. Um, what I would say is that the podcast, which is a shambles, doesn't take a lot of prep. And that's, that's part of its charm, I think. I don't know. Um, but that really is a really enjoyable escape. I love sport. I love, um, you know, sitting down and, and, and watching uh, great sporting events. Um, and that because that's a passion project, I don't really need to spend too much time prepping for it. You just go with, go with the flow. The room is the day-to-day. It's the thing that matters most. It's the thing that, um, you know, I love. Uh, I put all my energy and soul into. Um, everything else is just a bit of a distraction on the side, I'd say. So crisis from Facebook Messenger. Thank you for your message. Congratulations on your funding. I'm myself working on a SaaS product with a small team of developers. I want to get an initial round of funding to give us some runway to go beyond the proof of concept and build a base of users. Have you learned anything you'd be able to share? Thank you. Brilliant question. Um, I was very, very lucky that I actually started, we got our MVP, um, off the ground, self-funded. So two of the original founders of the business had a software development business. So that was a huge bonus for us. We put a lot of time and effort into it, but we managed to get trading, generating revenue, um, and onboarding some really big clients without any funding. Um, What we've used our funding for subsequently is to scale our sales, marketing, and and now our our development teams. so I, I was very lucky, but slightly unorthodox in how we, we got our, our, um, our product off the ground. I do think there is real help um, and there's a real value in taking the right money from the right people. Um, and actually, I've, I've got friends who, who have got businesses that are totally sort of wholly owned. And actually, they found it very turbulent during this time because they haven't got people to go to bounce off. Um, and ask for support. So I do think the right money from the right people is very, very useful. Um, how do you get that money? I mean, there are a whole range of different ways of getting people to, um, to to invest in you at this stage. The honest truth is I probably haven't got the pearls of wisdom that you're looking for, but I do think that that information is out there. And I wonder whether that's actually something for the, for the Facebook community, whether there's a post that we can put in there off the back of this. Um, what have I learned that I'd be able to share? It, it's just, honestly, it's just a case of keep going. Um, 
just try and get as much done with what you've got as you can possibly do. Um, and that sort of sounds like good morning to the dog. That sounds a little bit sort of frilly, and I don't mean it to be like that. Sort of maybe that someone's going to come pick her up in a moment. Um, but just try and get as much as you possibly can, uh, or go as far as you possibly can with the money you've got, and and just keep going. I do believe a lot that that if you've got a great product, you will find a way through the challenges you've got. Um, I just think that there's. Um, there are definitely answers to your question out there. In full transparency, I don't think I've got the pearls of wisdom that you're probably looking for. Um, but let's see if we can find some, some information for you. Mihailis, thank you for your question from Facebook Messenger. I'm a tech blogger and a YouTuber. I choose a niche where I could build a loyal, engaged subscriber base. However, I feel this restricts me from pitching and working with lifestyle brands. How can I get them to work with me? That is a really good question. Um, and it's one that we are very passionate about at the room, which is, and we see it quite a lot actually, that um, you built a very good niche and you're, you've got a huge value in that, in that niche as a result. Um, what, what the room enables you to do, um, if you think of it as sort of building blocks, in order to be influential and to generate revenue because of your influence and the engagement of your audience, you need to create content that people tap into and love. And the reason that you normally build a subscriber base is either, or a followership, is either authority of tone, or it's because you create interesting content, and it's because you're passionate about things you talk about. So if you were to think about an influencer, for example, at the bottom, you need the things you love and the things you're passionate about. And on top, you need um, the things that you are an authority in. And that is, that is the sort of triangle that we talk about. How do you get lifestyle brands to work with you? It's to try and include them in the content that you create. So, you know, if you're creating amazing YouTube content and you've got 30,000 people watching it, hypothetically, then let's talk to a watch brand about being included in that, um, in that content or a clothing brand, et cetera. How can you take those brands, put them into the content that you create, help amplify not only their story, but what you're doing and engage the audience subtly, gently um, as a fan of those brands as you do so? If you are creating really cool content, um, talking about your, your, your tech um, specifics, for example, and then suddenly you're slapping up pictures of yourself wearing sunglasses and leaning against a brick wall, that jars. It jars really badly. What you should be looking to do, I think, is trying to feed those lifestyle brands gently, authentically, subtly into the content that you're creating. Bring the two together. You chose those brands because you love them. And because you love them, take them into the content that you create. Hopefully that helps. Uh, Christos from Twitter. How do you see the influencer industry changing in the coming months and years? Brilliant question. Um, and the last question that we're, we're going to get to this morning. Genuinely, I, I go back to what I said at the beginning. I think influencer in inverted commas is taking a bit of a battering at the moment. People who just are used as an advertising channel by brands are going to burn out very quickly. You cannot just serve paid content to an audience. They, they very quickly see you as a, it's just a marketing channel. They lose interest. You lose your engagement. You lose your relevance. What you need to, I think, be very comfortable doing and very competent at doing as a, a person of influence moving forwards is, of course, to earn money because you have an engaged audience, and, and that is entirely right. But you have to talk about your, your passion uh, results, uh, your, your, your passion projects, those are the things you love doing, and that's where you'll create really engaging content. And you have to talk about the things that you love doing, the things that you choose to do because 
um, they are relevant, interesting, and right for you. So if you combine commercial with your contra, those are things you, you choose to do because you love them, and the causes that you talk about because you believe in them, then that gives you a really solid blend. It gives you a really interesting sort of um, base of content. And in turn, that will engage your audience, retain your influence, grow your influence, etc. So we believe moving forwards, advocacy is going to be absolutely essential. The things that you choose to do, causes are going to be absolutely essential because, you know, and I've touched on some of the, um, the statistics that have come out of COVID. People want to see influential people putting back, to, back into the pot, not just being paid to serve up content. So I hope that helps. Um, hopefully it's interesting. Uh, we shall see. But definitely we think advocacy is, is the new uh, sort of advertising coming out of, of COVID. There's a real connection to be made there. There's a real benefit for both sides and there's real authenticity in those connections as well. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you for all of your questions this morning. The poll results are in. And I had to think long and hard about this when I was given the question. The question was, have you ever sacrificed anything for your employees? And amazingly, we've got a split answer. 50, 50. 50 said yes, they had. And 50 said no, they hadn't. Um, and I felt sort of, did I feel bad about it? I don't know. I, sort of, I, I had to question myself quite deeply. I mean, I think, you know, as, a, as a, an employer, you, I have a real um, enthusiasm for making sure that my team are happy, they're healthy, they're enjoying the job, they've got opportunities to grow, etc. Um, and I, I'm very, very sort of committed to that. Have I ever sacrificed anything in terms of, I mean, I've, I've taken pay cuts during COVID, um, you know, we all, we all went down to 20% in order to all get through it together. Um, is options sacrificing? I don't know. All those kind of things. I think some very interesting ways of cutting that cake. But certainly, I would say that I think my employees are absolutely everything to this business, and um, you know, nothing happens without them, really, does it? So, um, I hope they would say that we look after them. But that, that would certainly be my takeaway. But very interesting. Fifty percent said yes. I'd love to know what some of those uh, examples would be, and perhaps the fifty percent will be wondering how they can do more. Who knows? Um, that's it. A minute to go. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in this morning. Um, really appreciate your questions, your comments, and your feedback, as always. If you've got any further questions for myself, uh, you can contact me on Instagram. You can just search for at Alex Payne TV. I'm not terribly good there, but um, we'll get back to you if we can. Coming up on Ask the Expert tomorrow is Aaron Patrick, who is the head of accounts at Boffix, and a great guy. I actually connected with Aaron off the back of the last one of these I did. So um, do make sure you tune into that. He's got a great YouTube channel called Aaron Patrick, the QuickBooks Chap, where he gives you a tour into the world of QuickBooks Online, which hopefully will be very useful for some of you. Tune in tomorrow to learn how the latest QuickBooks features that were announced during QuickBooks Connect can help your business. Don't forget to join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB group on Facebook, and we'll try and get that question uh, answered as well around where to go for tech funding in your early stage startups. Accountants and business experts are also on there on hand 24-7. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your week. I've really enjoyed answering your questions. Uh, we'll look forward to joining you another time soon. Look after yourselves in the meantime. Bye for now.